Hi, this is Tyler Schnudy, and you're listening to On Your Way Out, a podcast of Providence Church. On this platform, we're having conversations with members of our community and beyond about making more and better disciples of Jesus and what it means for us as we leave the walls of the church building and enter the world. So welcome into the Profcast. You gotta find ways to like make the most mundane things like challenges. Oh yeah. I'm sure that's how. That By the way, still world. the funniest, probably my favorite memory the last like entire year was the Zoom meeting we had with you and your kids were like coloring on each oh, other. Oh gosh, that <laughs> was very like, stressful for me. I don't remember exactly how it went down, but you were like, you're like, don't draw on yourselves. And that was like the main thing. And then it turned out that she drew on her sister. <laughs> oh, I sent me that picture up. later. Yeah. Or maybe I just showed you. Yeah. She was covered. Like well, she she technically she didn't draw she didn't draw on herself. Yeah, she she definitely followed the instructions. Mm-hmm. So I said, un- "What happened instructions to unclear. Emmy?" She said, "You said not to color myself. I colored on <laughs> Emmy." <laughs> okay, I guess I need to be more specific I next felt, time. I felt so bad. You're like trying so hard to just like focus on this whatever we're talking about, and just, uh, just it felt like there was just mayhem behind the screen. Oh yeah, like, teaching <laughs> online. I was so thankful we got to be at school because. For a little bit of time, we were at home doing it, and it was just not happening. Yeah. When my wife was at work and we got the four little ones, it was like, <laughs> where <laughs> is this going to be? It is crazy. Yeah. We've been on yeah. such a such a journey together, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's been fun. Well, welcome everyone into the podcast on, the on Your Way Out. Really excited this week to talk to our good friend, Bryant Russ. Thanks Hi. for being on with us. And this is a fellow podcast host, so I'm like... This is kind of cool. We got like the double host situation going on. Oh, man. Yeah. It's exciting. It's like a, yeah, space time something. That was what that sound was. That, my that's my brain was exploding. For. Yeah. Got it. Probably doesn't come through when you're just <laughs> listening to the audio. Yes. Well, talk to us a little bit about just like what's been going on in the Russ's life and how's stuff got HT going. Oh, man. We just had Masta Choli for lunch at Holland Christian. So feeling good. <laughs> nice. It's <laughs> great. But yeah, school's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been a good semester being in person with the kiddos. It's Mm -hmm. been just, that's so life-giving. And then home, we've got our fourth little girl was born about four months ago. So we've got four girls. So it's crazy at our house. Yep. The other night we had parent-teacher conferences and it felt like a vacation. I was just like talking (laughs) with adults all evening. I was like, wow, this is... It's so funny how like vacations change over time there's this really funny bit by this comedian who's talking about like like he's going on vacation with his family and so he's getting all this family into the car they're getting packed in and he's shutting the door for his wife on the passenger side and he walks over to the driver's side and he's like that walk from the passenger side to the driver's <laughs> side that's my vacation <laughs> that's the vacation for me is that little journey <laughs> but it's like it's so true i bet yes preach that but. is very much the case <laughs> So funny. <laughs> My drive home from school is just like, ah, I'm breathing and right. Don't have no, not yelling at anyone in the back seat or <laughs> nobody's pulling each other's hair. Right. <laughs> well, we um, I love my girls. Just to course, clarify, yes, girls, I love you. Set the record straight there. Yeah. Well, we wanted to talk to you. Actually, um, maybe you can share kind of where this came out of. Um, but you had a conversation with Toby about just kind of where we're at in our series and how you might be involved in it. And you were just sharing, you have some ideas and thoughts, but maybe it wouldn't be the right thing for like a sermon format. Sure. Yeah. Well, the raised to life play on words. I really like that. The idea of like something having to be knocked down 
for it to be rebuilt in maybe it's it's more appropriate capacity, I guess, or, or maybe to like re-understand something that was uh, th- mm-hmm. that just hearing Toby describe that originally. For me, I immediately thought about my relationship with the biblical text over the past 10, 15 hmm. years or so. Yeah. And do you, would you mind just kind of sharing with us, like, in that context of being raised to life, you know, kind of something has to be, some things in our faith have to be destroyed for them to really be brought back to life yeah. in, like, its full f- form. Um, so if you want to, if you would mind, like, start from the beginning with your relationship with Scripture and how is that, how is that phrase, being raised to life, a, how, is, how did you make that connection with like your relationship with the Word of God? Yeah, and certainly, so the, the scriptures weren't knocked down, but I think in the process of the past 10, 15 years, it was my understanding of what the Bible is and how it works had to, had to die in a sense, hmm. uh, to be replaced with, with maybe a different, I think, more healthy and, and also God-centered mm-hmm. understanding of the biblical text. yeah. yeah. So what, what what has that journey been like, yeah. if you start from the beginning? So, oh boy, way back, you know, I think it was sixth grade, I had a teacher who challenged us to start reading the Bible. I went to a Christian school in Lansing, and and I did. And so, okay, sixth grade, I don't know how old sixth graders are. Do you know how old sixth graders are? Ten? <laughs> yeah, I don't know just <laughs> say I, I was ten. I have no clue. Maybe a little older than yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, you're right. We'll go with ten, though. It's Something, an easy number. Yeah. I, anyway, I'm 32 now. And there's been probably just a handful of days since that sixth grade challenge to now as a 32-year-old that I haven't been in the scriptures. So I, I, and that, that's funny because I'm not a commitment kind of person. Like typically, mm-hmm. like I'll commit to a workout and it'll last like two days and yeah. then I'm done. Or I, I'm going to run, you know, the New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Never happens. But mm-hmm. for some reason in sixth grade, I just said, yeah, I'm going to read the Bible. And, and I haven't finished yet. So mm-hmm. that's been... <laughs> I don't know, 20 some years. Yeah. And so kind of some of those early uh, kind of entries into the biblical text were just really cool. And mm-hmm. as a sixth grader, uh, it was the beginning of discipleship for me, the beginnings of uh, a real love for the scriptures and the God of the scriptures and Jesus. And so that was, I think it was just a kind of a cool, the first milestone, if I look back, in my journey with Jesus. Hmm. And then from there, I just continued in the scriptures and had a lot of people in my life who encouraged me and challenged me to mm-hmm. continue in the scriptures, you know, stay in God's word yeah. and to really study it and to really, uh, really immerse myself in it. And so I, I did. And uh, sorry, feel yeah. free. To- well, I was going to say, I, I don't know if this is true for you, but I kind of remember that stage of my life too, that around mm-hmm. that age when I was also, you know, really being encouraged in, in reading the Bible and doing that consistently. And I feel like there was such a simplicity almost yeah, in my yeah. relationship with scripture where I didn't have as deep or complex as questions that I do now. And definitely, so there was kind of this like, it was very, it was very comforting because I, I, I had this sort of innate trust with it, if that makes sense. Yes, 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 yes. Perfect. What you just said is very, was very true of me into high school and at some point, and I don't really know when it was, but probably later high school, I started to, like you say, when you grow up and the world starts to become a little bit more complicated, mm-hmm. I think that was then reflected into my relationship with the Bible, started asking different questions and kind of secretly, like feeling like my questions like had to be covered up or mm-hmm. ne- never asked out loud right. uh, because it would betray this 
doubt or it would betray, you know, do you not think the Bible is God's word anymore? Right. You know, it's something like that. I'd be open to those kinds of accusations. Mm. And so I actually started keeping a secret, just a, a lined piece of paper folded up in my Bible where I would just kind of take note of what at the time I was afraid were like these contradictions mm. and the Bible's not supposed to do that. Right. Um, so actually I still have the list. I brought it, I brought it with me, a mm. typed out version of it, wow. but I can just read a couple of yeah. them here. And again, I, I would say, I want to say first that my intention is not to make people ask questions that they're not already asking. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's needed, but for someone who, who is in a place of like, wait a minute, how exactly does this work? All I'm really doing is telling kind of my story of, right. of how those began for me in high school. And for everybody else, like the, we all have, whether it's typed out or not, like we have a list, sure, you know, sure. that, that, you know, just quite, I think it's important to have critical questions about what we believe. Right. So I yeah. think this is, this is your personal example of that. I love that. What you just said, Tyler. And I think the crucial thing that I hope we get to is, so then what do you do with those right. questions? Right. Cause you can't, you can't deny the fact that they exist. Otherwise you're kind of lying to yourself probably. And it's yeah not going to be healthy long-term. Right. I have, I, you know, I have students who, who that's, I think part of their story, it's not uncommon to have students stop by after school in tears saying like, yeah. I didn't think I was allowed to ask these questions. And Yeah, and I've talked to a lot of people going through seminary specifically, how that has radically sure, yeah. like challenged them because you get so deep into things that you have to come out on the other side with a different understanding sometimes because it's totally you start to address things that you haven't before, right? Yep. A- amen. Very true. Well, so here's just a couple of, uh, from that maybe late high school list. God does not show favoritism, but then Mary's highly favored. God doesn't change his mind, we're told in a number of places, though he does a lot. <laughs> and I've got little text mm-hmm. in parentheses for each of these biblical texts. God doesn't lie, we're told, but then he sends a lying spirit to deceive King Ahab. And Jeremiah cries out in his book, Why do you deceive me, Lord? Mm-hmm. God doesn't tempt anyone, and yet God incited David to sin by taking a census. In mm. 2 Samuel, God doesn't want anyone to die, says Peter, except when it was the Lord's will to put them to death. We're told a couple of times, um, no one is righteous, not even one. But lots of people are called righteous <laughs> you know, throughout <laughs> the biblical text. Zechariah in the New Testament and Elizabeth, they're called mm-hmm. righteous. Um so some of these are like pretty simple, you know, but yeah. they continue. Let's see. God punishes. There were some that were, that were maybe more confusing. God says he punishes children for their parents' sin. Hmm. And Exodus, Deuteronomy, Job, Jeremiah, that's this theme that keeps popping up. But then it, the Bible, like halfway through the Hebrew Bible, kind of like ch- seems like it changes its mind hmm. on that. Hmm. And you start to see God doesn't punish children for their parents' sin. So hmm. We see that in Ezekiel and Second Chronicles and... Um, do not put the Lord your God to test. And then in Malachi, he says, test me in this, says the Lord. See Mm -hmm. if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. The Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. And yet the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He thrust them from his presence in 2 Kings. So on and on and Mm -hmm, on. And then mm -hmm. maybe more complicated ones, not just verses that didn't seem to jive, but... Bigger themes. Bigger maybe. themes, yeah. Uh, you, you've got in the Torah uh, kind of a um, command uh, from Moabites entering the assembly. Moabites are bad. 
uh, and they can't participate in the people of God. Mm-hmm. And then later in the Bible, you get a character who's shown to be like a true Israelite in a sense. She she demonstrates Hesed, this loving faithfulness, but she's a Moabite, mm-hmm. and it's like that can't that can't happen. So right. all kinds of things hmm. like that. That I think for me as a high schooler and then into college. It was kind of like this private suspicion hmm. that began to grow, yeah. I would say. Well, that's so interesting, I think, because I've always grown up. I don't know where it, you know, where it stems from. It's, it stems from a very deep understanding of Scripture. But I've always heard, you know, the Bible never contradicts itself. Sure, like that's yeah. something that's kind of been placed in me. And then, you you know, that's where you start to have a little bit of dissonance, probably. And when you read some things like that and you're like, well, that that's a contradiction, you know, on on the level that I'm understanding it to be. So that's, I feel like there's a seed of doubt there that if not addressed, right, like we'll start to just grow and grow and grow and grow. Um, yeah. So where did you kind of go from there as with yeah. that? I think it got to a point where I realized like, hey, I do need to talk to somebody about this. And that's where I think for young people that can either be like a make or break moment. Hmm. For me, I never had a problem around my family or anything like that. They're I've got a really wonderful family that, I feel like I totally could have voiced these things mm-hmm. too. Um, but but I, I was hoping to find someone with kind of some theological training. And so anyways, a couple pastors I reached out to. Um, and those those conversations, they didn't go super well. And mm-hmm. I, I, I certainly don't, I don't, I don't blame those faith leaders by any means. But the, the conversations, I walked away from them feeling... More like I had to hide my actual mm, questions. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, some of, one pastor in particular, I just kind of asked a series of questions. I was like, "Where is Satan in the Old Testament? Like, why why is he hardly ever there? There's like a mm. couple times when when Satan's mentioned, uh, but then all of a sudden there's like he's there in the New Testament. Like, what what's ha- like? I don't get mm, it. And mm-hmm. and uh, one one pastor just was kind of like unaware of a lot of these questions. Right. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And mm. and so you know, no fault there but then another person who i who i had coffee with was a little bit more antagonistic mm. saying like let's not go down these trails like, like you just have to trust trust the bible and that's like it you're sort of at fault for having these thoughts yeah and i don't think that was his intention but i certainly walked away with that impression mm. that mm-hmm. that i was doing something wrong and mm. i needed to like stop <laughs> yeah yeah it reminds me you know and like you said i don't think many probably those leaders intended it to come off that way but it does remind me of when you hear about people that get like really deep down certain rabbit holes of like other areas whether it's like conspiracy theories or like other you know schools of thought and the way that those th- ways of thinking are sort of continued in groups of people is by suppressing and telling people not to question certain yeah, things, right? yeah and that's where i would feel kind of attacked and sort of like like i should be we should be able to talk about these questions you know and we should be able to talk about the just the doubts and, and seemingly contradictions that I, I want to try to wrestle through and understand better. Yeah. And when we're able to do that, I think it diffuses a lot of the, <laughs> the, the, the toxic fears, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. suspicions, it diffuses those things and also really builds community in a cool, mm-hmm. powerful way. And so that's something that as a Bible teacher now, I certainly don't want to like Hey guys, the Bible. You know, this does. I, I'm not <laughs> intending to do that. But when a student does approach me with questions or how does this work exactly, I uh, try to um, empathize. Empathize for sure, and and to and to start a path with that student of of like, hey, here, here's kind of what I wish 
maybe happened with me hmm. in those years. Mm-hmm. So going through that process of, you know, speaking to leaders, not finding that super helpful. Wh- what did you do at that point? So I, I, uh, I've been a journaler for years now, so it's actually really fun for me to go back and read some of those moments of, <laughs> of this crisis I was experiencing and to see what, what ended up happening. I think at that point, I was on a track to become a Bible teacher. I had enough invested in like this route in terms of my, my vision for my life that I wasn't willing to just walk away. And, and I'm thankful for that because if it was just... You know, this sounds wrong, but if it, if my job hadn't been connected with it, if hmm. if my kind of my vision of my life hadn't been connected to it, I might have just bailed. I, hmm. I, I don't know. Hmm. You had like chips in the game. I had chips in the game for sure. And so for me, one of the, I think, most wonderful fruits that came from this period of doubt and wrestling with the Bible was the birth of a prayer life. <laughs> hmm. I I didn't know how the Bible worked anymore. Hmm. I wasn't quite sure even what it was necessarily. Um, and wonderfully, that led me to like this desperate coming before the living God with these questions and hmm. problems. And so I look at that season, I'm like, oh, thank God. I, I'm so thankful for that season because I really think the Bible was becoming maybe even an idol in my life. And I know that sounds silly. Yeah. But I think you can engage the Bible in one way that you don't even need God, hmm. <laughs> right? It was like the, this golden, perfect, divine thing that like, I don't even need God. Right. And prayer is like optional, I guess, mm-hmm. because I've got the Bible Yeah. and all my questions are answered. And, and yet like, that's, if, if you have these questions, like, well, I just got to look harder in, in the Word yes. and find the answer. Yes. And it was doing that for a long time and realizing, oh, shoot, I don't think I'm going to, like, answer all these questions with the Bible. Hmm. And so at this point in my life, I think a, a really like this kind of this thriving prayer life developed out of desperation. Hmm. <laughs> I was a desperate kid, not sure that I could do this anymore. And so it just all came out in, in prayer. Hmm. And... Man, I don't know where I'd be without that, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. To be and, and ironically, when you actually look at the Bible, so much of that is in the scriptures as well, right? right. I mean, the Psalms, so much of the wi- wisdom literature, there's like this kind of, uh, or I think of lamentations, this kind of naked, in a sense, before the presence of God, just all my questions and confusions and anger and all these things are just, here you go, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is developing trust, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that I... That I didn't have at that point. So I want to ask you about that in the sense of like the, I guess not the dichotomy, but the the relationship between the Holy word of God mm. and the spirit of God mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Holy spirit and how they both interact with us. And, you know, we believe that the word is sort of this living thing. It's not sort of, it's not a stagnant piece of writing. It's a, it's, it is the living, breathing word of God. And there's also like the Holy Spirit that interacts with us and we, we can, you know, we can pray to the Father and we can interact with him in, in that way. So it sounds like what you're saying is sort of because of sort of the questions and sort of the doubts you had about just, you know, some of these things in, in scripture, it sort of led you to encounter God in this other way. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And sola scriptura, I think, can be understood in a number of different ways in, in terms of like the actual intention behind what that means and mm-hmm. where it comes from in the Reformation. But 
I had in, in my mind that like the Bible is all I'll ever need. And I'll, mm. and, and including prayer, like prayer was right. not on that list, right? Yeah, I just need yeah. the Bible. Yeah. I, I don't even need community. I don't mm. need, because I've got the Bible and that's right. all I need. Right. And that's like the idolatry part exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah. We have a Bible I just found in our library at, at school. I think it was taken off the shelves. It's in the back, back closet now, but it says the almighty Bible. Mm. It was, it's, it was, it was for kind of a teen looks like mm-hmm. audience, but I see that and I'm like, yeah, that's that's like heresy or idolatry <laughs> or something, right? Something, I mean, yeah, because the Bible is not the almighty thing. The Bible testifies to the almighty God. Yeah. And in, in that function, it's essential. <laughs> yeah. It's pointing us to, introducing us to the living God. Mm-hmm. But it's not the living God. Right, right. I mean, and and I, maybe that seems like splitting hairs, but I think I experienced it in a way that I wasn't even necessarily aware of God, though I thought about him a lot, hmm. though the Bible dealt with God a lot. It wasn't like a living relationship with this mm-hmm. God because I had the Bible. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of even the relationship that like the Jewish people had with Jesus when he came because they had a certain understanding of Scripture that I think, like specifically probably like with Pharisees, they had sort of that idolatry um, perspective with the Bible and when Jesus came and started to really break you know, the mold of what they thought the word of God was, they didn't respond well to that because they had sort of elevated their like interpretation and their perspective on the word of God to the point where when the word became flesh, they kind of rejected what he had to say. Yeah. John five is a wonderful, what you just said. There's this interaction where Jesus essentially says, Oh, you thought you you diligently studied the scripture because you thought in them there was life. And and it's almost like, no guys, you missed it. Like (laughs) it's, it's pointing to, me yeah, <laughs> and right. you don't even like me <laughs> right so it's like <laughs> you, you missed the point yeah well it, exactly so with i mean with that idea what do you believe about the word of god and it's like mm-hmm. perfection mm-hmm. and it's inerrancy because cl- clearly there are some of these things that we feel like you know you 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 dig deep enough and it feels like there are problems with it um sure sure so in in your experience with that like what what is what is your you know perspective on like yeah, the perfection of the Word of God. Yeah, that's a great question. So some of those words like inerrancy or infallibility or some of the ways we, we often describe the Bible, I actually, I don't really have a problem with those. I, I don't, I just feel like they're not really great descriptions of how the Bible functions hmm. or op- operates. In other words, I'm fine with those terms. And I, I can, you know, if I need to like sign off on those words on occasion, it's like, sure, yeah. I, I think there's a gap, however, between how we often describe and talk about the Bible and how the Bible describes and talk hmm. about it's talks about itself mm-hmm. like uh, and I think you see the same thing happen with Jesus too when you have the first 500 years of of this early Christian movement and what they're trying to do with the person of Jesus Christ and I don't think it's bad I just think it's very much a western pursuit of trying to get this highly technical theologically specific mm-hmm. description of what it means that's, that this guy is all God and all man. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you you have heresies abound. They, <laughs> they have like huge lists of like, nope, that's not exactly right. Nope, that's right. not exactly right. And, and you know, the, there's words that are highly technical, like hypostatic union and and on and on and on. And again, I say, I, I see that and I think, awesome, great. Yes, I think that too. <laughs> but I also recognize that that's not how Jesus is talking about himself in the yeah. Gospels. He's saying, I'm running water. <laughs> right. I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. 
I am a gate for the sheep. <laughs> I you know, all these beautiful Doesn't vibrant quite images. Fit what we want it to be. Yeah, yeah. And so while I can say yes to a lot of those terms, I, I also am maybe more curious and seeing how in this case Jesus talks about himself, but how the Bible functions and, and thinks of itself. Mm. I think we are maybe hyper Western when we take an image and try to turn it into something like hyper specific. God breathed is a wonderful example mm. of that. There's the letter to Timothy where the scriptures are described as being God breathed. And, and I've seen it a number of times where we say, okay, here's that verse. Therefore, and we wind up with some of those words like inerrant or infallible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, I think, okay, whatever. But I mean, that term, God breathed, that's just yeah. this beautiful image throughout the scriptures mm-hmm. of the spirit of God right. imparting this gift of life to his people. I mean, even back in Genesis 2, right? We're God breathed. Like it's a, you got, God makes a mud pie and then breathes on it yeah. and you got humans and like I'm God breathed in that regard, right? And so yeah. that doesn't mean I'm infallible or inerrant. Right, so right. I just sometimes think perfect isn't the word that is the most applicable. Exactly. For what we're talking about. Part of that as as it relates to scripture, there's this, you know, partnership in that it's it's written by humans, you know, physically. Um, but it's it's you know, it's God inspired, as we say. What do you how how would you kind of explain your perspective on that, that partnership with us and God and, and we think about it? in that way of like, it's, it's God breathed, but, but yet there are, you know, um, places in time where it's written, there are different cultures in which it's written that sort of affect, you know, what is, what is written. Um, what do you, what do you kind of make of that? Yeah. I, I would say in my own personal engagement with the scriptures, there's a, a little phrase I like to say that I don't know if it's, I'm sure there's, you know, if some theology professor was to hear me, they'd say, well, here's the problems with that. And mm-hmm. it's probably deeply flawed, but mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess I like to say the Bible is not divine minus, it's human plus Hmm. in the sense that I used to imagine the Bible was divine minus any human anything. Mm -hmm. It's God's word. And then the verses became like little golden nuggets of truth Hmm. Um, versus maybe a, a human plus in the sense that recognizing the human heartbeat in the scriptures. I mean, it's hard to miss it in the yeah. Psalms. Oh, I was about to say. Psalm yeah. 137, the psalmist cries out, you know, this cry for revenge. The yeah. Babylonian children are uh, yeah. smashed Smash against, their heads rocks, against the rocks. Right? Yeah. It, it's that it's, it, of course, there's the human element in the scriptures, but it's more than that. It functions that, that the Holy Spirit has chosen this to be a central means for introducing God to the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just human, it's human plus, it's more than that. Hmm. That's, I think, a different way of engaging the Bible than, than divine minus yeah, human. Yeah. It's human plus. That, that's really helpful, I think. And what would you say to like somebody struggling with some of the same, you know, potentially doubts and, and yeah, just wrestling through mm, some of those mm-hmm. problems in their own head, in their own life, like going kind of through that process yourself, what, what would you say? Yeah, first of all, I would say that the Bible is so much better than I thought it was as a high school Hmm. student. I I haven't come out of this 10, 15 years thinking like, oh, shoot, the Bible's not what I hoped it was. Like, I guess I'll just (laughs) take it for what. Instead, it's quite the opposite. It's like, I love the Bible Hmm. more than I ever have. Hmm. And it's it's more challenging. It invites me to to wrestle with it more than it ever has. I feel as though I, I... when understanding it's that as a testimony that it's it's pointing to the living God. That's like the appropriate 
relationship to have with the scriptures. Um, so I'm more excited about the Bible than I ever have been before. Yeah. So that would be my first thing would be like, hey, these little things you're noticing, you're in luck because the Bible's way cooler than you thought it was when it was just these golden nuggets. Yeah. The second thing is as you're maybe wrestling and doubting and in a season of, of wrestling and doubting, the the for me, the two features that were so helpful was bringing that before God. Mm-hmm realizing that I did not have to hide these questions from God. And some of my f- most favorite prayer journal entries from the past several years are pouring out my fears. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I just saw this in the Bible. and like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just having this sense from the Holy Spirit that I was a child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and God mm-hmm. was saying like, it's okay. It's okay, bud. <laughs> like, yeah, keep yeah. going. You're fine. You know, huh. what I often do with my children now, right? When mm-hmm. when something is just, their whole world's falling apart because they didn't get the right cup they wanted for their milk. <laughs> you know, yeah, just exactly. Picking them up and saying, this is actually a little thing and you're okay and mm-hmm. I've got you mm-hmm. and let's keep going. I just constantly had that sense that like, hey, buddy, even if pastors are maybe afraid of these questions or even if... It's okay. I'm yeah. not afraid. I'm not particularly intimidated by them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then realizing also when you when you read some church history, oh, these aren't new questions at all. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the second piece would be community. Mm-hmm. Not just living community, that's really important. That's essential. But mm-hmm. also the community of the past 2000 years of people trying to read the Bible. Yeah. When you do that, you realize, "Oh, wow. I'll tell you this. I've been asking questions for oh, 20 years or so, engaging the Bible and asking questions constantly. I have not yet asked a question that no one has hmm. ever asked before. You haven't found a unique one. I have not found a unique one. So there goes my, my PhD. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was I, every single time I say like, oh my goodness. And then I go to commentaries or right. I go to even, you know, internet commentaries. It's like, oh, this has been discussed. Yeah, this was like a seventh century big debate they had yeah, because right. they totally knew about this. Huh. And here's some of the, the, the conversations they had around that. Or, and, and that's a really cool experience. Yeah, we actually talked with one of the first episodes we did was with David Mustard. We were talking about in, um, encountering God and kind of how that relates to like our reading of scripture. And that was one of the big themes that we addressed was sort of like, we get into these almost faulty ways of thinking when we just read scripture by ourselves, because we have so many of our own biases and experiences that play into that. And it's like, that's part, one of the roles of church and one of the functions of community is that we're doing scripture together. Totally, totally. And you know, when you read the Bible, you realize that that's in its design. Hmm. It's, it's, offering itself to be handled in community. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, I think, parts in even the Gospels where the backdrop of the New Testament is Jewish and Gentile relationships, right? Like, how does this work? Do they have to be circumcised? Can we eat with them? Can, all these really practical questions about mm-hmm. how do we get along now that the body of Christ has, has Gentiles are a part of it. And there appears to be in some Gospels things described in a way that only Jews could unpack and explain. Right. And even, and then on the other hand, things that only like a, a real, like a Gentile who's familiar with, right. with some of this, you know, philosophy mm-hmm. would, would have to kind of explain and unpack in totally. the sense that to really read this gospel, Jews, you're going to need Gentiles. Gentiles are going to need yeah. Jews. Otherwise you, you can't, 
you're not going to be able to make sense of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and in kind of a, a secondary way of that point, when you're, when you're talking about kind of this man plus, which I really like that idea, like part of what we have to do when we when we read scripture, this is a little bit of a side note, I guess, but um, it is sometimes it can be harmful to really think about it like a golden nugget or like a golden tablet sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. like without understanding the context of the audience of scripture, like the the purpose of why this letter potentially, let's say, was written to this particular church and all those different kinds of things, um, we start to make wrong conclusions about what it's saying because we don't understand sure. all the things that go into it. And I think that's part of the humanness of it is that we have to realize, you know, scripture was written at a particular point in time for particular people. Whether Some some scripture was really written for a Jewish audience. Some was written for a Gentile audience. And sometimes that plays into it. But And I guess all I'm trying to say is... Um, Sometimes we have to, yeah. And part of part of the community is is helping each other. Like, what is it? What is what is God really saying through this? You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's it could be more than one thing. And and I think that's part of the 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 living aspect of what the Word of God is. Totally, I'm really grateful for how generous God is in accommodating our limited understandings. Yeah, right, right. Because. Am I reading it perfectly right? Like, do I have all the cultural historical insights <laughs> yeah, right. now? I certainly don't. Right. Did I as a sixth grader? No. What I'm grateful for is the Holy Spirit was was instructing and rebuking mm-hmm, and teaching mm-hmm. and, and pointing all the while pointing to Jesus and drawing me closer to Jesus in the midst of yeah. my limited understanding. And did I get things wrong all the time? Yeah. Do I get things wrong now? I'm sure. Right, right. I just kind of expect that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing is that the Spirit of God is at work in the midst of my limited understanding. I still want to like learn how to engage the Bible on its own terms. I still want to ask those questions of genre and history and culture. Um, but I'm grateful that God is at work in the process of that, not just waiting for me to understand it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. When it comes to the fruit, like how do I know if I'm reading the hmm. Bible rightly? I think, am I loving my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Am I loving God? Are the fruit of the Spirit like coming out of me increasingly? Then I'm reading the Bible right. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. I, that doesn't mean that it's, I still don't have tons of blind spots, but mm-hmm. I think that's the goal of Scripture. Right. We, I think, are under a misunderstanding that the goal is theological hmm. exactitude on every point. Um, when we read Matthew 25, this beautiful talk from Jesus where he describes sheep and goats, right? And sheep are off with him to the right and, and goats to the left and destruction. And, and uh, what's, his, what's his criteria for, for sheep and goats, right? Like, I think it's, he's got this clipboard and he's going to say, you know, ask me all these theological questions, and then he's going to say, okay, you, th- you, you like think correctly enough, you're with me. <laughs> but that's mm-hmm. not what he says. He, he says, I was naked, and you clothed me. Yeah. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And, and you know, come <laughs> with me. <laughs> and then the opposite for the goats. <laughs> and no, I, I don't think that means Jesus just doesn't care at all what we think. Right. But I think it means... You can tell what a person thinks mm-hmm. about God exactly. <laughs> by the way they treat their neighbor. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, if, if there's apples on a tree, you don't need a bark sample to find out if it's an apple tree because there's apples on it. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's Jesus's criteria mm-hmm. uh, is the fruit he sees and says, oh, I know what you are. Yeah. So I want to kind of bring it full circle a little bit. So the, the process of 
your understanding and your relationship with scripture mm-hmm. changing and evolving and kind of being broken down and then reformed a little mm-hmm. bit. What does that mean now for your relationship with God and, and what has changed for you in that? Yeah. So prayer is essential. Prayer is life and knowing God is what this is all about and following his son, Jesus. And the scriptures of course play just such an essential role in that, mm-hmm. but that's what it's for. That's maybe in its right place. It's contributing to something else. I like to think of a telescope. A telescope's purpose is to see the stars and the planets. And mm-hmm. a, a telescope's value is not in and of itself. It's in its ability to hmm. introduce you to something else. Yeah. Uh, nobody just loves telescopes. They, if they do, they're weird. You know, you do, like, you love the stars, and because you love the stars, oh man, that telescope's important. Yeah, yeah. I guess I would say it's similar with the scriptures now. Hmm. I love this the scriptures more than ever, but it's because it's it's the God of the scriptures. Yeah. It isn't God itself. It's exactly it's helping you get to know God. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. There's a Billy Collins poem. He's a famous poet that I just love called "Introduction to Poetry." where he's expressing some frustration as a teacher of poetry. <laughs> he's describing what he wants, that he wants his students to, to water ski across the surface of the poem. He wants his students to, to walk into this poem like a dark room and feel the, the walls for the light switch. He wants his students to put their ear to the poem like a buzzing beehive and, and to listen to it for a moment. But then he says, but all they want to do is tie the poem to a chair and <laughs> beat it with a hose <laughs> to find out what it really means. Right. right. <laughs> and so I would say I'm, I'm most interested and most excited in the scriptures than I ever have been, but it's about experiencing the living God not mastering this mm-hmm. as a textbook mm-hmm. or an encyclopedia. Yeah. I think that's the ultimate goal of what our community wants to be about. It's it's not about a coming to a particular understanding so that we can say, okay, I understand this to a certain level. It's just it's just getting to know Jesus and doing that with one another. And yeah, scripture is an incredibly powerful way to do that, as is prayer, right? As is serving one another, as is encountering God in other people. Um no, yeah, I, all those things, prayer, community, serving one another, even learning about God and creation. The cool thing is, is I don't think those are even separate categories. They play off of and feed into and fuel right, each other. Right. So the scriptures are integral. The scriptures are essential. Um, but they're not the, I don't think that they're the end or the mm-hmm, goal. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I love just hearing kind of just the honesty, I think, and the rawness of the journey that you went through because not everyone has, like I said, that same list of questions, but I think we all have, if we don't have any questions and we don't have doubts, we're probably not thinking hard enough about what we believe, (laughs) I think, because it's such a, I think with any worldview, whether it's, it's this particular thing or other, other things in our life, we have to really critically think and understand and, and go through some of those doubts and questions, I think to reach a deeper place of our faith. Um, and I think that's sort of, in a way, what the series is teaching us is that, you know, it's like the mustard seed. It has to die for it to grow. Be not proud of the fact that you have doubts, but be comfortable with them and, and be open to exploring that and bring those to the Lord, like you said, Brian, and, and let that be a platform for you to just like, kind of like a lamentations, you know, to say, you know, I'm just bringing everything that I am before the Lord. And, you know, it says, as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Mm. And we're not meant to to hide that or to, to put up barriers in our, in our hearts about it, but just to, um, just to encounter the Lord through that. Amen. And be ready 
to be surprised hmm. because the very things that I thought would would result in the unraveling of my faith were the very things God was using to bring me deeper hmm. in my faith. And mm-hmm. that's just that was surprising in yeah. a wonderful way. It's a beautiful thing, though. It is, and a testament to who God is and, and almost God's playful nature. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and that's what you know. That's who the God we serve is. Is He mm. takes the broken pieces and He's he, he brings redemption to it, and He He does that. You know, the the best example of that is just through sin. He came and buried it all and nailed it all on the cross, so that even though we are broken people, we're called the righteousness of God. It's just this crazy thing, you know. But that's who He is. You know, He takes He takes the the brokenness and the darkness and the doubt, and He turns it into something beautiful. Right. Mm-hmm. Amen. Would you uh, pray for us as we yeah, exit? Yeah, I'd love to. Gracious God, thank you so much for your goodness. I pray that this day and all the days to come would be characterized and defined by a surprise that you're better than we thought you were. I pray that 10 years from now, we might look back on this season and realize that, that we were just starting to get a glimpse of your goodness, that you're far better, far more generous, far more kind, than we ever hoped or imagined you were, God. And I pray that that understanding of who you are would result in our coming to life. I pray that as we come to life to love our neighbor as ourselves, the world might see and and be um, caught off guard and and be curious that that there must be something going on with that God because (laughs) look look at how alive his people are. I pray that that would be our story. Thank you for Tyler. Thanks for his work with the show. I pray that you would, uh, and Ellie as well, thank you for Ellie's hard work behind the scenes and just the, the, the good things that you're up to through this community. We love you, God, and we love your son, Jesus. It's in his name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Thanks. for tuning in <laughs> to the show, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Take care. Yeah, man. No problem. I feel like we did okay. Boom. Perfect.